Hey everyone, welcome to Music Facts and Figures by Mark Inesito. I am your host, Mark Inesito. And it's been a long while since my last podcast, and I do apologize for that. You know, it's been... As you all know, I'm a part-time student, you know, but I always take a break in the summertime, so there was no excuse in the summertime not to do more podcasts. I did, like, maybe one total, I think, that in July, and that was my last podcast I did. And I'm doing other things on the side, too, so it, it, it's it's really... I'm doing the best I can to get them up. My goal is to get a podcast up once a week. And if not, every other week. Um, so if you've been with me, I do apologize for that. Um, again, um, I'm doing the best I can, and I hope I don't lose any followers for this. I, I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you bearing with me. Thank you for finding a good fight with me. I, I, you know, I, I do appreciate it. All you supporters out there that are supporting me. Um, so today's podcast, I'm going to step aside from music and talk about something else completely different. Um, but I'll get that in a little bit here. Before I start, this is going to be an audio-only podcast. And those who are following my YouTube will not see a video for this podcast, unfortunately. But my next podcast will be on YouTube. That's a guarantee. Um... I just want to start by saying I'm, t- I'm currently taking a class this semester in school uh, called Basic Di- uh, for Digital Media. It's my minor, actually. It's uh, called a, a Basic Video ed- ba- Excuse me, Basic Video Editing. That's what it is, and it's pretty. I'm, I'm getting used to it. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. I'm enjoying it a lot, and I'm hoping with my video podcasts I can do a little bit more editing with it. Maybe try different shots of me instead of my straight shot that you see all the time on Zoom. So that's going to be my goal for my next podcast on, on video is uh, try to do some more edit, ed- editing features if I can and uh, see what happens. You know, it's hopefully it makes my podcast a lot better because, you know, I mean, even the instructor kind of said that, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes watching a podcast and staring at someone's face for about 10 minutes straight, a straight shot of their, of their face, you know what I mean? Try different shots out, like maybe a side shot, or, you know, just kind of play with my camera a little bit. So that's what I'm going to do next time for my podcast, and the, uh, I'll go from there. I think this is this podcast here is, 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 is I want to say it's rushed per se, but I'm, I'm, I'm rushing to get it out because... It's been a while again since my last podcast, and I wanted to do an audio-only one, and keep it simple, and hopefully it's, hopefully I get a lot of listeners for this. I do, like I said, I do appreciate your patience with me, you know, both YouTube and audio, whatever you're listening to me on, or watch me on, whatever. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so hope I can, next time I do a podcast, do this video and try to do different shots if I can, that'd be kind of awesome. You know, to try that. Um, so yeah, so, so today's podcast, like I said, is going to be not not about music. It's going to be about the Stanley Hotel. And those of you that don't know about the Stanley Hotel, it's a hotel that was inspired by Stephen King, The Shining. Um, so he actually stayed there in a the hotel in the seventies. Thought it was pretty haunted, and was inspired to write a book about it. In fact, I heard it. In fact, I uh, I'll get that later on. But yeah, he wrote a book, The Shining, about it, and of course he wrote a, a sequel to it in 2013, The uh, Doctor Sleep. Uh, both were good, great books. Um, of course, the movie with Jack Nicholson in 1980, The Shining. Uh, the thing about the movie that uh, you may not know about, but you know some may some may know about, some may not know about it, is that Stephen King didn't like the movie. Well, whereas Stanley Kubrick didn't like the book, so he kind of changed it around a little bit. It wasn't even shot at the Stanley. It was shot somewhere completely different. But there are some shots in Colorado, I think, I believe, in that movie, but not the hotel itself. Um, that being said, Stephen King produced the made-for-TV version of the movie um, in the, in the uh, 90s. That was more based on the book, and actually shot at the Stanley Hotel in Essence Park, Colorado. So that was pretty awesome of him doing that. It was started Stephen Bauer as Danny Torrance, 
No, not Danny Torrance. Uh, um, Jack Torrance. Jack. Um, again, Stephen Barber was one of the brothers in the TV show Wings in the 90s. If you may, may remember that show, some of my older audience members may remember that show. But he was in, yeah, he was in Stephen Barra was in the wings. Uh, anyway, um, f- so for this episode, I'm going to talk about my stand of Stanley this past year. My wife and I went up there for our 10th anniversary. And I'm going to talk about our first day there, which was 10 years ago, on our initial honeymoon. And I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm sensitive to spirits, as you may know. I did a couple episodes before on ghosts and other things before in the past. Which I'm going to kind of rehash again here a little bit, in particular the Stanley Hotel experiences. But, uh, um, I didn't see much this year. Maybe a little bit, but nothing too crazy. So, um, uh, so yeah, so let's, let's get started. And I'm going to, in this podcast, also, I'm going to read two different stories of the Stanley Hotel. I'm going to read, a, like, a little history about the Stanley and the hauntings of it and stuff. Then I'm going to go to a little article about Stephen King and his influence on The Shining. How he wrote it and stuff. So, I think there's a pretty, pretty detailed article, so hopefully that gives me enough information for me that I'm satisfied with for this podcast. And... Uh, but rock and roll. So let's get started. Um, so this past year, my wife and I, back in June, went to the Stanley Hotel for our 10th anniversary. Um, it was fun, as usual. It rained all weekend, pretty much, for the most part. And also, being a, a, a native of Colorado, I love my sports teams in Colorado. It was the first it, um, the first night we got that we, when we arrived there. was, uh, if you're a sports fan and, and a basketball fan, particularly, it was game one of the, of the finals between the Heat and the Nuggets, and the Nuggets won that one. But she won the whole championship. Go Nuggets! But, um, but yeah, I got that, the first time I got there, it was kind of, it was nice out and stuff. We went out for dinner in an Italian restaurant called Dunraven. They're known for, like, having these, like, dollar bills on their wall and stuff, so. They actually moved to a new location now. They're now located in the hotel now. I forgot the name of the hotel, but, it, um, it used to be like a little hole-in-the-wall type restaurant up in the middle of nowhere, which we went there a couple years ago up in Essence Park, my wife and I, for anniversary one year. And we stayed at the the uh, YMCA of the Rockies up there for a couple nights. It was kind of fun. But yeah, that Raven restaurant was an, is an Italian restaurant, but it was like located in the... Uh, um. And like this whole normal like restaurant by itself. Now they moved to an into a hotel now, which I think is a lot nicer if you ask me. Bigger, I think too. Um, I can't really remember now, but but yeah, it was it's good food. I recommend that restaurant if you ever go there. And that's this part Colorado called the Dunraven. It's in the hotel. I've got a name in the hotel. You can look it up, of course, online. So ask Professor Google where the Dunraven's at, and I'll give you the address to it. Um. It's funny because when we got there, we assumed that it was going to be up at the old location, and so did I. I didn't know it was going to be in the hotel now for some reason. So I would go up there, and it was like closed. I'm like, wow, it's closed. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, they moved. So, okay. So that was our dinner that night, and then we uh, went back to the room, kind of relaxed, and that was about it, pretty much. I went out, and like around 2 in the morning, and kind of did a ghost hunt. <laughs> And the whole the whole hotel went to like the basement area to the you know of course the main lobby and then of course the second floor third floor fourth floor whatever and that was it. It was uh it was fun. I didn't really see nothing major there. I said, but uh, there was one night when I uh, I think I was approaching the fourth floor, and it was near the cowboy room they call it, and uh, I felt a complete discomfort up there and uh, I took some pictures of it and I asked some friends I asked you know people that you know you know have something spirits and stuff they know something kind of you know creepy up there and they said no so I still felt discomfort up there and didn't mean 
you know, there was nothing up there, anything up there. I just felt like someone's watching me. But there was one moment, too, when I was walking up the stairs to the fourth floor. I remember I almost fell. I did kind of fall, but then I, like, fall, you know, just kind of lost, lost my footing a little bit there. Which is probably what happened, but, you know, I never know when to my foot. So I guess that's probably a plus. Um, that. Um, I, 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 I took a lot of pictures I was hoping to share. And kind of ironic about those pictures is that they're not on my phone anymore. And I don't understand that. I can't explain that. I don't know what happened. But I took, I said, I took a, tons of pictures up there, and none of them are even on my phone. I mean, some of on there, but none of the ones I took around my ghost hunting. Uh, so I find it kind of odd. Um, there's one picture I took. If you, so, if you ever been in the Stanley, if you see the front lobby, there's a, actually a, uh, the the old steam car that Stanley himself came up with. It's in the lo- uh, front lobby, and um, I took a picture of it, a close up of it, and it was all blurry. And um, I can't explain that either, but uh, I might have, I might have, I might have just. Took a picture and maybe moved my camera too fast, not thinking about it, but I don't remember doing that, so there's a lot of possibilities that could happen in that shot. But that was basically it. My wife and I took a tour, basically, and the tour was become a shining tour. And what it was, we saw the, uh, we just heard a history behind the, the shining and Stephen King's experience, like how he came up with the book and the idea and stuff, the concept of the the whole story. We actually saw a rep cloud in the bathroom from the movie The Shining. And we saw like the actual it was actually it was the actual supposedly the actual axe used in the movie that Jack Nicholson was holding. We saw that too, so that was pretty cool. Um it was a fun it was a fun trip. It's always fun. I love traveling, so it's always fun to travel and I think, like, I saw the Shining the Stanley twice, so I feel like if you see it twice, you've seen it already, so I think there's no point in going there again. Um, I actually ran into a couple of YouTubers up there um, called DX Armies. I, I recommend following their page. They're really, they do a lot of uh, ghost stuff and, I think, gaming stuff, too. If I'm right. I haven't been on their page for a while. So if they're listening to this, I apologize for getting their content wrong. But it's called DX Army. D as in dog. X as in X-ray. Army. The X Army, um, a couple guys, a group of like three or four guys, I think it was. Uh, we were chatting a little bit, and I gave them my experience the first year I was there, which I felt like my first time I was there. My wife and I, I felt like I've seen more, had more experiences there than this year, and I'll explain that next here. So let's go back ten years ago, uh, twenty thirteen. Um. My wife and I went up there to our, to our initial honeymoon. My first time even going inside that hotel it was really cool. It was an honor. Um, there was one night when I remember I was sleeping. And I woke up from a dream. And I was pretty much awake. I was lying on my stomach. And I felt pressure on my back like someone pushing it. I quickly turned over to my wife. I can tell right now it wasn't her because she was turning the other side. And just the movement and her movement, it was just too fast because I wanted to make sure I moved real fast to make sure it wasn't her. And that was kind of odd. Um, during our tour we took that 10 years ago, we... Uh, um, Heard a story of a maid that died in a fire. I believe she has her own special room. I think that was, I think, in fact, I think it was room 217, in fact, where Stephen King stayed in when he was there. Um, I think it was that room right there that, I think, it caught fire. And I think she died in the fire, if I'm right. I can't remember the whole, or she, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Um, 
Well, let me get to the articles. I haven't really read the articles yet, per se. I should have read them first and have an idea of what I'm talking about, but I don't. But the tourist, the guy, the tour guide said that this man died in the fire. And basically what she does is she thinks that a couple sing in the hotel and, and, and are not properly married. She tried to break them apart. So I could have been the maid that pushed me, but I'm not certain. Um, I can't explain that to you. I really can't. It was just something that felt like something was pushing me. It didn't hurt. It just felt like some pressure on my back. Like, okay. Who's pushing me now? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, on the tour there, there's a concert hall at the hotel. Um, I guess President Woodrow Wilson made a speech there once. Uh, Bob Dylan played there once, I think, for an acoustic show. Um, he, uh, it was a, there was a basement in that concert hall, and there was a girl, a girl named Lucy, that a, a runaway, I think she was, or a prostitute, that was cold and wanted to go in the hotel, but the carekeepers said, no, you can't stay here. So they let her freeze in the cold and die in the cold weather. So she's supposed to be haunted this, this one particular room at the hotel, in the, in the basement of the concert hall. So what happens was you go in the room, and they, she tries to, and she, what she does is she closes and opens and closes the door by, by herself. Now at first I wasn't really convinced. I thought, this is an act. This could be spring-loaded and all that and everything. But I think what really made me believe this was real is I walked out of the, I walked out of the room a few times and there was a room across the hall, in fact, with, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had some mental health issues and um, he was pretty creepy too. If you go into his room, he had to announce who you were. Like, hi, I'm Mark. I'm coming in the room. I'm making sure that he knows that you were coming in. And I felt a very discomfort in that room. Well, going back to Lucy's room, as I was saying, I kept walking out of the room and going in and out of that room. There was a moment when I was out of the room and I came, I was going to go walk back in there. As I was walking back in, the door started closing. As I approached the door, the door stops. By itself. There's people there they're just sitting there watching. They're not like, oh, we're doing this for you. It was, then they just started closing by itself. And when I get there, it stops. And they let me in. Okay, I'm convinced, I think. This is convincing. Um, so yeah, that was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, that's about all I have as far as my ghost. Well, it was actually this year, in fact, when I was, well, let me explain this to you. So, so uh, that, the YouTubers I met, DX Army guys, they were, uh, they were singing in one of the haunted rooms on the fourth floor. And they had me go in the room with them. And it was the first time it supposedly happened in the room when I was in, when I was in there, in fact, the lights kind of flickered on at least once, so... And they were kind of shocked by that. Because, like, this never happened. We never hear this. And they said, they just said, this was like, you know, I mean, they didn't really say that to me. They kind of said, the way that, the way they, when it happened, they kind of initially, like, oh, wow, there's lights. They're, they're flickering. Now, that's a sign of a spirit, probably. I'm, I don't know. But it's possible when my presence in that room, maybe I was sensing something, and maybe something triggered, then the, Make that presence known or something. Who knows? You know. But yeah, that was that was that. Um. But that's pretty much all I have as far as my experiences. That's all I wanted to share. But my experiences I had um, when I was there the first time and this time. Um, my wife unfortunately is not sensitive to spirits, which in some ways is probably good, but. It's a gift, I guess, and I, I guess I'm fortunate to have that gift. I, I, love, I, I, I think I, I enjoy that gift. And some people have it stronger than others. Mine's not that strong, I don't think, but it's strong enough to where it can trigger some some activity, I think. But, uh, 
But yeah, that being said, let's go into my articles I wanted to read. Um, I found a few articles. I think the one I want to read is, uh, let me see here. Um, the one right here. Let me pull it up here. Sorry, my tablet's acting a little slow here now. I got it pulled up here on my internet. Uh, here we go. Um, which one's this? Um, this is the one I want to read, I think. Let's make sure I'm looking at the photos here. Where is it? Sorry, I'm going to pause for a minute. Okay, so the article I want to read is, uh, there's two articles I found. There's, um, I'm trying to say which one I want to read here. There's this one here I chose. It's from the website called Uncover Colorado. And it looks like it was updated because I, I pulled this up in September, I thought. Maybe I'm mistaken about that. But it says it was written by Pat, Patrick McGuire on October 4th, 2023. So... I felt like it was updated, but I'm not certain here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I pulled it up by chance after the fact. So it's possible I did that. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Because I actually had, had plans to record this podcast um, in September, but something came up and I couldn't do it. So anyway, um, so let's read the article. It's on, from, from the website Uncover Colorado. It's written by Patrick McGuire, and it's called The Stanley Hotel's Haunted History, published on October 4th, 2023. Regardless of whether or not you believe in ghosts, you can't deny the Stanley Hotel's ability for inspiring fear and intrigue. Let's uncover the creepy legacy of this iconic Rocky Mountain destination and its supposedly haunted history. The Stanley's spooky past is built on a combination of of provable facts and events and loads of anecdotal evidence and speculation. There are hotel guests and staff accounts of hearing disembodied voices being touched by something or someone they can't see and all manner of other strange and unexplainable occurrences. Today, the Stanley Hotel is a large large, stately lodge that overlooks the mountain town of Estes Park. But before the hotel and town were established here, Estes Valley was an idyllic landscape. Replant with mountains, streams, and meadows that the Arapaho tribes called home, according to the hotel's website. The Stanley Hotel's origin began with inventor Freeland Oscar Stanley stricken with tuberculosis, traveled to the valley in hopes of getting their health back. Some tell this part of the hotel's origin story differently and claim that Stanley was so ill that he was convinced he died from consumption and was intent on doing in a beautiful place. After just one summer, his health was indeed restored, which he credited to the fresh air and abundant sunshine. Alongside his wife, Flora Stanley, Flora, Stanley made plans to build a large hotel in Estes Valley that would feature the grandeur and Edwardian op- opulence, whatever that word is, I can't read some of these words, I'm sorry, of East Coast establishments, but in a rustic Western setting. When the hotel opened in 1909, guests marveled at the Palatal structure in front of them. It was surrounded by wilderness, but somehow featured electricity, telephones, modern bathrooms, and a maid and cooking staff in professional uniforms. For decades, the Stanley was seen as a posh, exclusive Mountain West destination that provided a restful, rejuvenating break for busy East Coast lifestyles. By the 1970s, the hotel had fallen into grave disrepair 
due to years of neglect and lack of investment, it had become a show of its former self. The Stanley easily could have been demolished, had it not been for a bizarre and fateful string of occurrences involving a now seminal author and his famous nightmare that took place in Room 217. In the 1970s, author Stephen King was working on the stand and living in Boulder, Colorado. One weekend, he and his wife, Tabitha, traveled an hour north to Essex Park for a weekend away from their children in a recent interview on The View. King explained that the Sally Hotel was open on its last day of the season when he and Tabitha arrived looking for accommodations. King said they would be the only guests in the large hotel that night, and King recalled hearing the wind whistling outside the room. After a night at, a, at the restaurant and bar, the couple retired to room 217. In a lucid nightmare, the author dreamed of a coiled fire hose coming to life and chasing his screaming son as he ran down the halls of the hotel. After waking in a panic, King lit a cigarette and stared out the window. By the, by the time he had finished the cigarette and gone back to bed, the rough outline of The Shining was fully formed in his mind. The Stanley's connection to the King and the terrifying light that inspired The Shining are the hotel's most famous and influential, creepy occurrence. But strange and reportedly paranormal happenings have been reported in the hotel long before the 1970s, some specifically in room 217. Take the night of June 25th, 1911, for example. Okay, come on, Tapa. After the valley experienced a flood, the two-year-old hotel's power went out for the first time. Freeland Stanley took it upon himself to install a gas lantern in each room to provide the guests with light, and a leak caused the buildup of gas to form in room 217. The head chambermaid, Elizabeth Wilson, entered the room with a lit candle and set off a massive explosion. Wilson miraculously survived and was launched from the room's entrance to the dining hall, located on the first floor. An estimated 10% of the hotel wasn't as lucky, and one observer reported seeing a bathtub fly up in the air during the blast. After waking up from a coma, Wilson returned to work in 1913 and remained employed in, by the hotel until 1950. This is where Wilson's story should end, but it doesn't, according to some hotel guests and staff. Her spirit is said to still inhabit room 217, but reports claim that she is typically more helpful than scary. Guests have shared stories of waking up to a room that was tidier than the night before. Uh, with their clothes folded and suitcases organized, one couple told a staff member at the Stanley that their bed was made around them during the night with them still inside. But take note, if you're considering staying in this famous hotel and aren't married, you may not have the most restful night if you choose to stay in room 217. Unmarried couples have reported a chilly presence settling into bed with them as they slept. It reminds you, when I felt that push on my back, we were married, but it was initially... The, that weekend of the mar well, a couple of days after the, our marriage, so we were legally married but still fresh. So, who's to say that's what happened? But we weren't in room two seventeen. We were on the second floor, but not in room two seventeen to be exact. Okay, sorry. Going back to the story here. Um. Okay, where am I at here? Okay. Stallion died in nineteen forty at the age of ninety one. But like Wilson, many believe his presence can still be seen and felt at the hotel, mainly at the bar and in the billiard room. The phantom of his wife, Flora, has a, a penchant for tinkering around in the hotel's piano, according to the multiple accounts. Some hotel tour guides believe a ghost of a child with autism wanders the property and plays with ghost's hair. And guests on the fourth floor other Stanley have shared stories of hearing children's laughter in the hall with no one to be found. Rachel Thomas, a tourist supervisor for the Stanley Hotel, claimed she was mysteriously made ill on this floor in a 2021 interview. 
creepy happenings like these have made the hotel an internationally famous hotspot for supposed hauntings, and it's been featured on popular ghost-themed shows like Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters. Whether ghosts actually exist, or if life after death is real or not, it is not something we're equipped to meaningfully address or answer in this short article, but we can tell you with 100% certainty that the Stallion Hotel has a couple of decidedly creepy locations. These include an on-site pet cemetery where some of the owner's animals have been laid to rest over the years. Cassie, a friendly golden retriever, is said to still deliver newspapers and scratch and the doors to be let in from outside despite being buried at the grounds, plus a large cave system that's located under the hotel. Why would a hotel need a network of caves, you ask? The reason is that in the early days of Stanley, it was seen as unprofessional for the staff to be seen by guests, so employees used the underground pathways to travel between rooms and the hotel's bar restaurant, and laundry facilities. The ghost of a pastry chef is said to haunt the, in, haunt the caves as evidenced by the unluring and inexplicable scent of baking goods that are frequently reported there. Room 401 is, according to some, the creepiest room in the hotel and is thought to be haunted by an unfriendly male ghost by some accounts. Women have claimed that they were inappropriately touched by an unknown presence while standing in the room's closet. One man claims he witnessed his wedding ring inexplicably move from the bathroom counter and fall down the drain of the sink in the bathroom. Down the hall in room 407, multiple guests have reported an odd experience of being tucked into bed by some invisible force, and others have felt someone sit on the foot of the bed only to find nothing but an indentation on the covers when they switched on the light. In room 428, some have seen the vision of, of a cowboy looming over the bed as they slept or standing in the corner. There aren't any rooms above this room, yet over the years there have been mo multiple reports of strange sounds like furniture being moved and footsteps emanating from the ceiling. Even without a, its paranormal Reputation, the Stanley Hotel is a beautiful, fascinating place to visit. But with the potential to experience the haunting firsthand, guests from the world over-travel here in hopes of witnessing something profound and unexplainable. If you're unsure whether you believe there's something more than meets the eye happening here, you have to, you have to book a room and see for yourself. When you do request to be booked on the fourth floor, because that's supposedly where you most likely to experience something, according to accounts. And that's basically it. Written by Patrick McGuire. Great article. Interesting. And when I was there this year, another thing that happened interestingly, because I kept, because you know the, the hotel's so old and the floors do creak a lot. I noticed that a lot in our room. There was one moment I kept hearing weird sounds and. I kept thinking it was me, maybe doing it, or my wife doing it. So, yeah, I would, I would, I would pay attention to my moves I was making when I was walking the floor in that particular area. Because I remember the area where I was. I try to remember the area where I was. And I would try to remember trying to walk around that area to see what see what was going on. I would hear nothing. But there was one night I heard a random like, like a like a thump. And I thought it was maybe me or my wife. And I, I asked her, "Was that you?" He was like, "No." I'm like, I heard something thump. I'm like, it could be your imagination. I'm like, true. It could be in the hallway. You know, it could be, you know, who knows? I can't explain it. So, and this is my opinion too about ghosts. And I, I think I heard experiences like this before too, where people, I think when they try too hard, sometimes they don't get anywhere. And I was trying kind of hard. I had a, I, I, I from Amazon, I purchased a uh, EVP player. Which I tried to use and it didn't work. So um, I think if you try too hard. Sometimes ghosts don't want to make their presence known, but at the same time, they might do it, but in a way where you won't expect it. Like that time when I felt like I was being watched on the fourth floor when I by the cowboy room. 
I felt like something's watching me. Somebody taking a picture around the whole area, thinking, what's going on here? And I'm like, uh-huh, I'm going to fool you. I'm here, but you won't see me. <laughs> kind of odd, but, you know, it is what it is. So this next story is more about Stephen King's influence. Um, it's it's written by Loanna Nim, Nim, Nim. I can't, excuse me for butchering your name. Iona. Jeez, Iona. My bad. Iona... The last name is spelled capital N as in Nancy, E-A-M-T. Leona Nimt, Nimt, Nimt. And this was published on August 29th, 2023, so fairly recently too. It's called How the Stanley Hotel in Colorado Inspired Stephen King's The Shining. So it sounds a bit repetitive to the last article. I do apologize. Hopefully it's more in-depth about Stephen King's Influence. Because that was more than the story, too, I remember, on the tour. So let's read the article here. Again, written by Leona Niam. I apologize for butchering her name. Published on August 29th, 2023. How the Stanley Hotel in Colorado inspired Stephen King's The Shining. One time in the early 1970s, Stephen King opened an atlas at random on his kitchen table and decided that he and his wife would travel to whatever location it opened to. The atlas happened to be open to a page about Boulder, Colorado, and that's how the story of The Shining began. Or so the legend goes. King and his wife, Tabitha, checked into the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado on October 30th, 1974, the day before Halloween. Having recently written Carrie and Salem's Lot, two novels set in the writer's home state of Maine, King needed a change of scenery to get his inspiration going. And boy, did he get it going at the Stanley Hotel. The hotel's on-site pet cemetery served as inspiration for another successful Stephen King novel. I don't think we need to tell the name of it. You know the name of it already? I didn't read that right. I'm sorry. But you know what I mean. The couple arrived at the Stanley right at the close of the tourist season as all the other guests were checking out. The writer and his wife were the only guests at the hotel that night, and they checked in room 217, which was allegedly haunted. That obviously didn't need to her king, but the eeriness of the massive hotel on the edge of the Rocky Mountains ultimately did. The pair had dinner in the hotel's grand hall, all by themselves, after which King took an evening tour of the grounds and ended up at the hotel bar, where he was served by a bartender named Grady. That night, King had a nightmare that his young son was being chased by a fire hose around the hotel corridors and woke up in a sweat. The experience at the Stanley Hotel reportedly sparked the inspiration for The Shining, which King first envisioned while staying there as a guest. The Shining couldn't have come at a better time for the Stanley, which had lost its appeal by two tourists and was beginning to fall into neglect. It didn't exactly help that, always closed during the winter, as the heavy snow would make getting there nearly impossible. The success of the Shining sparked new interest in the hotel, and guests soon started to flock, flock, flock into Essence Park, all trying to check into room 217. Even now, that room is booked solid, and it's basically impossible to find, and it's available on Halloween. The Overlook, in Kubrick's movie, and in Stephen King's The Shining. Before we go further into the history of the Stanley, let's clear up something that many of you might be wondering. You surely noticed that the Overlook Hotel in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining starred Jack Nicholson. Looks nothing like the Colorado Hotel. That's because the production crew shows more accessible and convenient location to film the exterior shots for the movie. Kubrick's Overlook Hotel in the 1980 Shining is actually the Timberline Lodge at Mount Hood in Oregon. Stephen King wasn't exactly thrilled by Kubrick's portrayal of Jack Torrance and his infamous novel, to put it nicely. And that's why in 1997, a King-approved take on the story was released 
in the form of a three-part miniseries dubbed Stephen King's The Shining. The miniseries used the Stanley Hotel for all exterior shots, even some interior shot scenes, honoring the place where The Shining first took shape. The history of the Stanley Hotel, otherwise known as the Overlook Hotel. The, pic- the, pi- the, the excuse me, <laughs> the picturesque colonial revival hotel in Essence Park, just five miles from the entrance of the Rock to Rocky Mountain National Park, <clears throat> is widely known around the world today, thanks to the horror novel that it inspired. But not that many people knew about it before the sh- Shining that, that might have had s- something to do with its secluded location and the fact that it stays close closed during the winter months. However, back in the early 1900s, the Stanley was buzzing with activity. Let's go back to the beginning. In 1903, Freeland Oscar Stanley, owner of the Stanley Motor Carriage, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, <clears throat> I'm in a chest pain here. I'm okay. Still alive. Oscar Stanley, owner of the Stanley Motor Carriage Company, which made the fastest then vehicle on earth, the Stanley Steamer. The car that's in the uh, front lobby was struck down with tuberculosis. Doctors didn't have much hope that he would survive the disease, but advised him that the cool air of the Rocky Mountains might be might help a little alleviate his symptoms. Excuse my. They, however, didn't real, really think it would help much, but were convinced the next time they would see Stanley was at his funeral. Imagine the surprise when he learned that Stanley was recovering nicely after spending time with, in the mountains. The businessman became enamored, enamored with mountain views and clean air, so much so that he would return to Essence Park every summer for then on. From then on, excuse me, he ended up building himself a home in the Rockies and began construction on the Stanley Hotel in 1907. The Stanley Hotel was built according to F.O. Stanley's specifications with the help of Denver-based architect Philman Robert Weiger. The 142-key hotel opened on July 4th, 1909, and quickly became a hotspot for upper-class guests and a health retreat for those suffering from tuberculosis. The hotel located at 333 Wonderview Avenue, with its breathtaking views of Lake Estes and the Rockies, particularly Long's Peak, is now a national landmark. The Stanley Hotel Historic District incorporates 11 structures, including the main hotel, a concert hall, a carriage house, a manager's cottage, a gatehouse, as well as the lodge. A smaller bed and breakfast originally named Stanley Manor. Today, the Stanley offers both historic rooms at the main hotel, apartment style residence for extended stays called a spire, and one to three bedroom condominiums dubbed residences. Um. It also incorporates more than 14,000 square feet of sophisticated meeting and event space and a number of indoor and outdoor wedding venues. In fact, the year we were there for a honeymoon, there was a wedding happening outside the window. So cool. <laughs> it's funny. Oh my God, I wouldn't clean that one, probably. I'm just kidding. But there was a wedding going on. A unique feature of the Stanley Hotel is that it doesn't have or need air conditioning. The hotel is naturally cooled by the mountain breeze, and it has been able to make the best of that breeze in order to ventilate the property. The hotel also offers something for that those seeking a paranormal thrill. It features a variety of rooms with allegedly high paranormal activity, including room 217, now called the Stephen King Suite, and room four, rooms 401, 407, and 428, which are said to be haunted by ghosts. There are a lot of horror fans out there, so obviously these rooms are highly requested and almost never available. Another fun fact is that the Stanley Hotel served as a filming location for a movie 
on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. The 1994 comedy Dumb and Dumber starring Jim Carrey, which was filmed on location. Yes, it was. Uh, while it might be true that the Overlook Hotel is a feat of Stephen King's imagination, the similarities between the fictional hotel and the Stanley are pretty obvious. Here's what hotel manager Stuart Allman tells Jack Torrance about the history of the Overlook in the first pages of the novel. The Overlook was built in the years 1907-1909. The closest town is Sidewinder, 40 miles east here of here over roads that are closed from sometime in late October or November until sometime in April. A man named Robert Townley Watson built it, the grandfather of our present maintenance man. Vanderbilts have stayed there here. Rockefellers and Astors and DuPonts. Four presidents have stayed in the presidential suite, Wilson, Harding, Roosevelt, and Nixon. To this description, Jack replies, I wouldn't be too proud of Harding and Nixon. In King's novel, the Overlook Hotel is inhabited by dark forces lying in wait every winter for human minds to invade and control. Both Jack Torrance and his uh, predecessor, Grady, become victims of these dark forces, which Allman describes as cabin fever. The isolation and silent enormity of the hotel take a toll on Jack's already fragile mind, and the dark forces of the Overlook turn him against his own family. In the novel, Jack's clouded, drunken trance-like state makes him forget all about the hotel's boiler, which ends up exploding and burning to the ground. Jack's wife Wendy and his son Danny and Nick Holleran are the one survivors, only survivors, and the hotel is soon being reconstructed. In Kubrick's interpretation, the plot is a bit different. Jack chases his son with an axe through the hotel's on-site maze, but eventually becomes lost and trapped as Danny escapes with his mother. Jack Torrance ends up freezing to death inside the hedge maze. The immense popularity and success of Kubrick's adapt adaptation led managers of the Stanley Hotel to build their very own hedge maze on the grounds, thus creating yet another attraction for fans of the novel and the movie. Whether you are a die-hard Stephen King fan, a Stanley Kubrick fan, a horror aficionado, or just an armor with the Rocky Mountains, you'll feel right at home at the Stanley Hotel. The unrivaled view alone is enough to make you want to return every year, just as F.O. Stanley did. And that's it for this article. And that's all I have in this episode. So yeah, it was uh, interesting, those two articles. And they were a little bit different, which is good, but a couple similarities in them both. Um, I'm kind of glad. Um, there was a... Uh, yeah, a lot of guests stayed there. Like the, As you heard, a lot of some presidents stayed there. Uh, Harding, Nixon, Roosevelt... Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I believe it was. And... Uh, now, Wilson, uh, Molly Brown stayed there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, stayed there by high rich people, you know. There's one one like little room there, like a it's like on the main level. It's like a it's like a billion room there, and there's like another room with a piano in it, and there's another room. And that other room is where a lot of people were going there back in the in the day and party, like all the people, like all the flappers and all the, you know, from the twenties and stuff. So it was pretty, pretty cool to be there then. I'm sure in those days. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's an interesting story. There's another story about the property over there too before it was built. Um, Lord Dunraven. Which is why that restaurant is called the Dunraven. I'm sure that I went to eat at one night. Um, he lived there, I think it was, or resided there for a couple years, if I'm right. But yeah, but um, that's all I have. Another interesting fact too about the Stanley Hotel when I was there the first time 
when I experienced some more hauntings there than this past, this last time. Um, when I was there for a honeymoon 2013, I, um, when I was on the fourth floor, which is where the, a lot of children are said to be found, I could smell a stench of like Jolly Ranchers or candy up there. So it was kind of odd. And there was no candy, there was no candy on the floor. It was like you could smell this, I guess this smell like, like a, like a fruit candy, like a Jolly Rancher or some of that nature. Like in the hallway, it was kind of weird. So, who's to say that's paranormal or not? I don't know. It was kind of odd. But anyway, that's all I have for this podcast here. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you for tuning in. Again, thank you for bearing with me in this podcast. Thank you for bearing with me too. And the fact that I've done a podcast since July. Um, my goal, again, is always to do one every week. If not every other week. I'm not going to make any promises, but my next podcast, which is either going to be next week or the week after, is going to be about music again, which is my main topic. Um, I'm going to talk more in depth about the 1967 festival, the Monterey Pop Festival, the famous concert where Jimi Hendrix lit his guitar on fire and smashed it, playing Wild Thing on stage. So get ready for that one next time around. Now it'll be a video podcast and an audio podcast as well. This is this going to be this audio, as I mentioned earlier. Again, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, I do appreciate it again. <laughs> I don't know how many times I'm going to say that, but I, um, I hope to have more podcasts up this year before the year ends. I hope. Um, that's my goal. Um, anyway, um, until next time. Thank you. God bless. You can tune me on. You can find my podcast on apps such as Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and you can find my YouTube channel, Music Facts and Figures by Mark and Nacito. Again, this will not be on YouTube, FYI. Thank you and God bless. Goodbye.